You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spate. Thank you so much for being here today. We really, really do appreciate it. Today we begin to look at the book of Amos. Now, I'll I'll tell you, Amos is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And next week I'll tell you a little bit more about why he's uh, such a such a joy for me to talk about. This week, um, the first couple of verses of the book of Amos identify the exact time in which Amos spoke. It was during the reigns of King Jeroboam and King Uzziah. That's about a 10-year time frame that apparently Amos went from the southern kingdom to the northern kingdom here and prophesied. He preached to the northern kingdom. That becomes very, very important next week. Now, if you go back to the devotionals this week on Tuesday, I went into a lot more detail about the time. It's a great time to be an Israelite. Israel had two enemies. They had Assyria to the north and Egypt to the south. And uh, during the entire century before, one or the other was constantly attacking and taking territory that belonged to Israel. But during this time frame, enemies to the north are attacking Syria, enemies from the south are attacking Egypt. They're distracted, they leave Israel alone. And as a result, Israel is actually able to take back much of the land that it had lost over the previous century. It was as large as it had been during Solomon's reign. There was a great deal of trade, a lot of commerce. There was affluence in Israel. People were comfortable. They were rich. Everything was great. But Amos didn't think so. Amos looked at what was going on and instead of seeing the affluence, he saw the corruption that made people rich. Instead of the freedom of the people, he saw the oppression of many in Israel that benefited others in Israel. And he spoke out against it. Now, he spoke out against every level of Israelite society. In Amos chapter 4, with all of the sensitivity and tenderness that he could muster, he said this, Listen to me, you fat cows living in Samaria. You women who oppress the poor and crush the needy, And then you call to your husbands, bring us another drink. 
Now apparently Amos slept through the course on seeker sensitivity in seminary. Uh, <laughs> you wonder what he really felt about uh, the rich women living in Samaria. They spoke out against the rich. And you know it's easy for us to look and see what Amos said about the rich because that's them. And yeah, call them down Amos. Tell them what they're doing. Amos goes on in uh, chapter 5. He speaks about, uh, excuse me, in chapter 2. He speaks about another man. He says, at the religious festivals, they lounge in clothing their debtors put up as security. In the house of their gods, they drink wine bought with unjust fines. Now, what in the world is going on there? They lounge in clothing that their debtors put up as security. Literally, um, somebody in Israel would need some money, so they'd go to a loan officer and they'd say, I need to borrow some money. The loan officer would say, well, what can you put up as collateral? And they would say, well, the only thing I have is the, the shirt off my back. And the loan officer would said, that'll do. Give it over. And they would literally take the outer robes, what they used to stay warm during the day and warm at night, and they would hand it over to the loan officer. And the loan officer would hold on to it until that debt was paid off. Now in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 22, the laws that God told Israel, he told them not to accept clothing as collateral against a loan. Because during the day, they would use it to kind of shield themselves from the sun and the wind. But at night, when it got cold, they would put on the clothing that they had just to stay warm against the cold of Israel. Well, they couldn't do that if they had loaned that coat to the loan officers. So what did the loan officers do? It's interesting. They didn't actually put them on. They used them in the temple at their religious ceremonies, but Scripture says that... They sat on them. They reclined on them. They let them serve as pillows so they'd be just a little bit more comfortable. This is not the action of a rich person. The rich person would have cushions. They'd have their servants or their slaves carry cushions into the temple and put down so that they could sit on them. This is a middle class person. He doesn't own any cushions, but boy, he took a couple of nice plush robes as collateral against a loan. Amos goes on in Amos chapter five, verse 16, he says, there'll be crying in all the public squares, mourning in every street, Call for the farmers to weep with you. Summon professional mourners to wail. Call for the farmers. 
The farmers were the poor. They didn't have a job that someone paid them to do. They eked out a living on the land that they owned, planting whatever might grow and just getting by. A couple of verses later, Amos tells the story of a man. He says, what sorrow awaits you who say, if only the day of the Lord were here. You have no idea what you're wishing for. That day will bring darkness, not light. In that day, you'll be like a man who runs from a lion only to meet a bear. I love this passage. So you get the idea the guy's running to get away from the lion and he rounds a corner and there's a bear. So he runs from the bear and he enters his own house. He shuts the door and he locks the door and he leans up against the wall and a snake comes out and bites him. <laughs> now, what kind of a house had snakes living in the walls? Not the house of a rich person. Not the house of a middle-class person. This was a poor man's house. Made of stone, and made of stone, it had holes all over. They had not been able to afford to plaster the walls, so the holes were open. And when the man rests against the stone wall, out pops a snake and bites him. <laughs> so Amos speaks to the rich, Amos speaks to the middle class. Amos speaks to the poor. Everybody gets a share of what Amos has to say. It's like the story that Jesus told, a parable, of a man who had absolutely unbelievable debt. He owed his master 10,000 talents. That was what Rome asked in tribute from the entire nation of Israel and Judah during the time that Jesus ministered. So think about it. The equivalent of what the U.S. government gets in one year's income tax. That's what they use to operate the government. Trillions and trillions of dollars. You wonder what this guy spent it on. It was not just food, for sure. It was an unimaginable amount of debt. But he goes to the master. The master says, I'll throw you in prison. He says to his master, please have mercy. And his master does and forgives him the debt. So what does the guy do? He goes out and he finds someone who owes him the equivalent of about $1,000. That's a sizable debt. But nothing like what he had and he had just been forgiven of. And he throws that man in prison until he pays. When the master found out what he had done, he goes back and reverses his mercy and says, you now owe me everything that you owed. See, Amos is talking about everyone. It's not just the rich, not just the middle class, not just the poor. Everybody has a share in the sin that Israel has committed. 
Amos lays out that sin. And the list is, is fairly long. In chapter 2, we see about Israel's disobedience and the oppression. In chapter 3, Amos talks about their theft and their violence. A little bit later, he speaks of their idolatry. Then in chapter 4, the passage that we read earlier, the apathy that they have when they realize what's going on with the poor. Bribery in chapter 5, the end of chapter 5, hypocrisy. Then in chapter 6, their arrogance. Now this list is not complete. There are other sins that Amos talks about. But it's a large enough list that you can see the kind of things that Amos is talking about. The only sin here against God is idolatry. Everything else has to do with how they treat their neighbors, how they treat their colleagues, how they treat their families. What they do during the week matters to God. We look at that list. Yeah, there are some things. Theft, bribery. Say, yeah, go get them, Amos. Tell them. Because I don't do any of those things. But then he talks about arrogance. Could we be guilty of arrogance? talks about hypocrisy talks about apathy have you ever walked by that homeless person just hoping praying that he doesn't make eye contact with you because you're sure trying to avoid him these are things that Amos singles out he calls out and he says that's wrong what you do during the week matters to God. So Amos goes on. He talks about how God reacts to this. Chapter 5, verse 21. Amos says that God says, I hate. It's a strong word. I hate all your show." I hate your pretense. I hate the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and your solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings. Those were offerings for sin. I won't accept your grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice Peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I won't listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice. Instead, I want to see an endless river of righteous living. What we do during the week matters to God. And what he wants to see from us is righteousness and justice. It starts with righteousness. Righteousness is the right 
attitude. Now, the first time the word righteousness occurs in the Bible, it's used to describe Abram. God has just said to Abram that he will make of him a great nation, and through him all the families of the earth will be blessed. Then in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, Genesis says that Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Righteousness is an attitude. It's having the correct attitude towards how we need to live. A couple of chapters later, several angels appear to Abraham now. He's changed his name to the father of many nations. And he tells Abraham that even though Abraham is 100 years old and his wife Sarah is 80 years old, she will bear him a son, and that son will produce a nation so large that it'll be more than the stars that you can count in the sky. The angel goes on to say, Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Literally, the angel says, by doing righteousness and by doing justice. Righteousness is having the right attitude, getting your heart right before God. Justice is the action that flows from that right attitude. Abraham will be both righteous and just. And he'll teach his family, his children, and his children's children how to be righteous and how to be just. He'll show them the why of what they need to do. And then he will live out for them the how of what they need to do. Now what does all of this mean for us? It means very simply that as we attempt to be Jesus in our little corner of the world, what we do during the week matters to God. It's not just what we do here on Sunday mornings. The rest of the week, he wants us to live in righteousness and in justice. Now, I had a friend in Colombia who used to talk about submarine Christians. He said there are a number of Christians out there who are submarine Christians. They live underwater all week long and then Sunday comes and their head pops up above water. <laughs> Sunday service is over and they go back underwater for the rest of the week. We have no room for submarine Christians. What we do matters during the week.
Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.